It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. White, couple the jab steps, comes up shooting top three, bam! Put him in the Hall of Fame! Your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. What more, what more y'all want me to prove, man? Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Jordan Malley. Jordan, great to see you. Through our 670 score scope. Yep. Where is he? And it's right over there, Bill. Joining me now, Matt Peck. Locked on Bulls podcast. Producing podcasts left and right, even in the offseason. On Twitter, at Locked on Bulls, at Jordan C. Malley, and at Bulls underscore Peck. I don't have a Twitter. I don't do anything like that. And I love what you guys do with the show. I listen to every episode. You guys are one of the best podcasts, period. Y'all keep going with you do best. I love you guys. So kick back, relax, and get ready for the best hour of your day. It's 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 raw. You can just see the vibe. Locked on Bulls starts now. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. Okay, cool. I was hoping it wasn't one of those knucklehead programs. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jordan Malley, along with me is Matt Peck. Follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked On Bulls. Hit us up on our text and voicemail line, 331-979-1369. Drop your text, your voicemails, anything you got for us at 331-979-1369. Today's episode is brought to you by betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag, sign up for a free account, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. Matt, welcome back to this, uh, this I guess I would say one of our favorite segments of the week, one of our favorite episodes of the week, and the first of the new year, uh, our latest edition of Mailbag. And we've had a ton of people hit us up, man, like nonstop since the season has started. So we appreciate everybody out there. I'm going to take your voicemails and your text messages, your emails, your tweets, all of your questions in today's Mailbag. But before we do that, how you doing, man? Jordan, what's up, buddy? What's up, Bulls Nation? Looking forward to the first mailbag episode of 2021. Uh, we we got some man. I think the uh, the Wendell Gafford uh, drama is going to continue today. I just got a feeling. <laughs> I do too, and uh, it's going to continue throughout the entire season. But in order to get to everybody's questions and try to get to as many as we can, let's just kick it off right away. Let's go to our first voicemail. This is from the eight four seven. What's up, guys? I uh, apologize if you've already talked on this, but I think you just – the Bulls need to try and split in Laurie and Wendell Carter. I just feel like they're both two power forwards, uh, Laurie being stretch and Wendell being more of a traditional guy. I just think that neither of them are big or strong enough to actually defend down low. Um, and I understand. I know that all the, the – you know, Kendall Gill, all the – the NBA players say starting in the NBA matters. But I just feel like it's too early to give up on these two guys. I think that they can be really good players. I know that's me being a stupid Bulls fan. <laughs> I, I feel like I, I'm a stupid Chicago fan, really. Um, I over generally overvalue 
players, but I just think it's too early to 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 give up on these guys. But I just think that they're playing out of position. So I'm just wondering, you know, if you split them, maybe keep Laurie in the starting uh, the starting rotation, move Gafford up to the center, and then I feel like they, they need to get a a, a backup guy, um, you know, almost like a Rolo type. And I know Rolo's over in Washington, but there are some guys out there. Uh, that are unsigned. I know Ian, uh, Ian Mahini is out there. He's 33. He's kind of old, and Dwayne Deadman is out there. Um, and I know we already have a bunch of mediocre players. Why are we going to get another one? It just seems like fundamentally, size-wise, that they're just out of place, and they're not getting the chance to be successful. Uh, Stacy says it all the time that uh, or Wendell Carter really needs to – live within 15 feet and just be that guy, be a traditional power forward in the way that they used to be maybe 10 years ago. Um, okay, and then uh, if you guys have any ideas of uh, maybe getting a decent backup center that can come off the bench like uh, he or Deadman. Wait, thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks for the call. No, I think I think our caller brought up a lot of good points, Matt. The first thing that I will say is Jan Mahini stinks. Uh, I will tell you that from watching him with the Pacers when I was in college, and he got paid too right after that, and he's been terrible throughout the NBA. So I wouldn't be, uh, I promise you, the Bulls don't need to bring anybody in here. We just need to figure out what we're doing with these bigs. And I think I agree with him. I've said it long term. I don't think Lowry and Carter are the answer, but I don't think you have any other solution, at least short term, right now. What do you think, though? I mean, I would agree with you on, you know, Mahimi. Um, the you know the point about uh, a backup center, I I would counter with the fact that the Bulls have a pretty darn good backup center right now, and his name is Daniel Gafford. Um, that's that's still where I am, and I'm not saying that I think Wendell is our solution long term at the center position. That's a different thing. I'm saying I really like backup center Daniel Gafford. He brings energy. He brings aggression to that second unit. And I think right now he is very suited for that role of backup center. So that's not what I'm concerned about. I'm not out there looking for a different backup center where you've got a perfectly good one in Daniel Gafford. His point about splitting Wendell and Lowry uh, because they're both power forwards, I certainly see that. You know, that that's something that I feel like has come up a lot before, especially with talking about Wendell feeling out of place uh, as an NBA center who's so undersized and is more of a four. But here's the problem then, you know, if you talk about uh, kind of splitting their minutes and allowing both of them to play power forward because maybe you want to put Gafford in there at five, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with maybe some Gafford and Lowry minutes. You cannot play Gafford and Wendell together. You just can't because your spacing goes to shit. So that being the case, it takes out the number of opportunities where you can do that. We've already seen Donovan do a fair amount of splitting in this rotation, though. Some games he'll pull Wendell early. Some games he'll pull Lowry early. So, you know, I think Donovan's going to continue to experiment with that rotation and and with the staggering of those minutes of those guys. And I do think that long-term, the Bulls' front court of the future is not Wendell Wendell Carter Jr. and Lowry Markkinen. One of them's going to go. And it's just a matter of figuring out this season which one that's going to be. I'm with you, man. We've got a perfectly good backup center in Daniel Gafford, and you continue to just build off of him and being able to fit that role. Again, 
I think the mindset here, and it might be people might yell and scream about this, but I think understanding that you're finding core pieces that don't necessarily have to be a part of your starting five or closing games for you, but also finding like glue pieces too that can fill secondary roles is super important for this Bulls team if we want to be better short term. And so like finding guys like Gafford, where you don't have to worry about him, you don't have to worry about spending a ton of money on him, or you don't have to think about him being a starter, but a glue guy that can come off the bench and you know he's going to be successful. Finding guys like him, I think in combination with figuring out who your starting five is and who actually you're going to try and run and compete with, I think multiple multiple of those things can happen at the same exact time. So, like, pushing Gafford just because he's having some success coming off the bench, pushing him to the starter role, that doesn't do anything. That doesn't do anything long-term, I think, for this Bulls team. So, I'm with you. I just, I think for the sake of the Bulls, they're going to continue to run that Lowry, but Carter front court out there for the entire season just to see what they have right and then they'll fully evaluate even if they have kind of the impression where they know that they're going to to they're going to move away from both of those guys in the front court in the future just to be able to see what they have in a decent chunk sample size is what they're looking for this season but yeah man the only time I've seen Carter be aggressive in multiple spots was when he babied uh, uh, Willie Cauley-Stein the other night against Dallas and Willie Cauley-Stein stinks and he was getting made fun of by a bunch of people on Mavericks Twitter too is just saying like this is why this dude can't get minutes because he's getting babied by Wendell Carter Jr. who's four or five inches smaller than he is it just doesn't make any sense so yeah I I guess I guess I'm kind of with our caller. Uh, Long term, I just don't see Lowry and Carter mixing. But hey, I'll give them the opportunity to prove me wrong for the rest of the season. Yep. I mean, that's one of many things that we have this season, you know, to 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 make useful is figuring that out. 100 percent. Thanks for the call from the 847. Before we get to more of your text messages and voicemails, I want to tell you guys about our friends at betonline.ag, the NFL Playoffs starts this weekend with wildcard matchups. If you want to bet on the Bears and the Saints, there's only one place to do that. That's at betonline.ag. Sign up for a free account today and use that promo code locked on for 50% welcome bonus. So you deposit $50, they're going to give you $25 for free. You deposit $500, they're going to give you $250 for free. So use the promo code locked on when you sign up for your free account at betonline.ag and they'll give you a 50% welcome bonus. You can bet on any NBA game out there including the Bulls if you want to bet on player props. I've had a lot of success in this early NBA season on betting on player props. Not necessarily the Bulls, but across the NBA and if you want to have that same success go to betonline.ag and sign up for a free account now don't sit on the sidelines anymore get in on the action don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts all right jordan uh let's uh let's take a text message uh this is actually a sequence of texts um and it came in December 31st at 4.30, first one at 4.35 p.m. And I'm guessing maybe this person started their New Year's Eve celebrations early because this has me chuckling. We don't even really have to react to it all that much if you don't want, but it just made me laugh, so I'm going to read it. This is from the 563. That's it. I'm done with Wendell. Wendell is horrible. Trade his ass as soon as you can. Gafford has done more brings energy this team needs Wendell provides nothing he's a bad shooter he's lazy trade him I'm done with him (laughs) wow Wow. Wow. that's all I got 
That's, that's that's like the farthest end of the spectrum of the Wendell stands versus the Wendell haters. That is that is some heavy Wendell hate right there. I mean, man, that's that's kind of up there with like you being done with Kobe White being the point guard of the future, right? I mean, they're completely. I wasn't out. that hateful. I was just no, no, no. An you're right. Absolutely. I mean, I, I don't disagree with his. He's a bad shooter. Take because guess what? He is. I, I would disagree with the lazy thing. We have no evidence to suggest that he's lazy. Maybe if you're saying you haven't seen noticeable improvements in his game year to year, that means that he do- isn't working on his game. That's a theory. You can't prove that. And nothing we've heard from anywhere from people who are in the know suggests that Wendell Carter Jr. is lazy and does not have a work ethic. Yeah, the lazy thing I don't get. And maybe maybe lazy isn't the right word that he is seeing. Maybe he's reacting more to like Wendell's lack of confidence after not hitting right. some shots, right? I was just going to say the exact same thing. A lack of confidence and, and a mental issue is different than being lazy. He's any everything that we had heard about Wendell, and it's been backed up in the first couple of years he's been here. Said he's a workhorse that he gets on his guys to work hard. We've seen, vid- I mean, how many videos did we see of him at the Lifetime Gym shooting, getting jump shots up this off season? So he's definitely a worker. I I think what he is more aiming at is that confidence issue and the the mental side of the basketball game in game is like when he's not knocking down shots or he's getting. Uh, tough foul calls called against him early on in games. You do see Carter kind of lose the confidence and the the fire out there to can you continue to stay in the present, right? He just continues to think about shots three or four minutes ago when it's like, you got to get over that. And maybe that's just one of the biggest struggles Wendell's going to have to work through this season. Yeah, it will be a process. And right now it is evident that there is some confidence issue and some some mental issues, you know, maybe he's got the yips or whatever it is, um, and he's got to figure that out. But the initial tone, or, or the overall tone, I should say, of our texter um, in that rant, I know he's not alone in that. The simple eye test right now, other than that one good game where he had, you know, like 23 and 10, uh, and a couple of nice assists in addition to that, we've seen uh, a handful of those games from Wendell through two seasons and the start of a third. It's not enough. Those small samples are not enough. And I, and somebody out there might be saying, well, come on, Matt, like you're, you're, you're a Lowry defender. And how many more examples of Lowry being good? Have we seen the Wendell? I would say generally speaking through Lowry's first couple of seasons, we saw more positive spots and things, reasons for optimism than we have with Wendell Carter jr. But you know, for both of them, it's not enough for for anyone out there looking at what we've seen from Wendell through the first seven games saying, I, that's it. I'm done. Trade this dude. He ain't it. I don't blame you because if, if you are someone who goes by the eye test and you are certainly allowed to do so, and I use the eye test quite a bit myself, the eye test for Wendell so far is not great. I would I would agree with you, man. I would will will one hundred percent agree with you on that. Uh, thanks for the text. That was a good that was a good laugh, though. Uh, and you're probably right. Maybe did start his New Year's Eve celebrations a little bit early. Uh, let's head to a another voicemail. This is from one of our longtime listeners, three oh nine. Hey guys, uh, longtime listener, uh, 
Jack from uh, Peoria. I go to school in Indiana State. But anyways, uh, just watch the Dallas game. Uh, and before Matt goes off on me on this, but I personally think Daniel Gafford's got a shot at, you know, having a better career, I guess, than Wendell. At this point, I think I'm more excited to see what Gafford turns into than Wendell. Does that make sense? And so, uh, but yeah, I think what the Bulls are looking for, they're looking for somebody with energy, somebody to be a defensive anchor down low. And again, just, they need that Bobby Portis or that, uh, that Joe Kim Noah type of, uh, you know, the energy. And I think that's fine coming off the bench. But in terms of defense and in terms of just efficiency, you can go look back at the stats. I understand that Wendell's got better stats, but he's also playing more per game. But, I don't know. I personally, I'm more excited. I understand he has more highlight plays and he's more flashy of a player, but that's not really what I'm getting at. I think in terms of characteristics, what we need to start off on our, start our games off right, you know, I think that it's important to have that energy person. So I think Daniel Gaff would be perfect for that role. So I'd love to hear your thoughts about that. Um, I'm sure you guys aren't going to want Daniel Gaffin over Wendell. I think majority of people won't, but I don't know. I have a feeling that I think Gafford will end up being a better player than Wendell down the road. I understand he can't shoot, but overall. I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts, but, uh, but yeah, have a good one. Go Bulls. I don't think it's not – it's definitely a fair assessment if you feel like that. I, I would 100% agree, and again, I think it's all about placement. It's all about opportunity. It's all about the situation that you're handed. For Gafford, it's kind of been a very relaxed situation for him in his first two years of being in the NBA where he hasn't, they, nobody's asked him to do a whole lot, right? Nobody's had massive expectations for him. As opposed to Carter, there has been a ton of massive expectations, and rightfully so, coming out of a really deep draft. And everybody expecting Carter to be sort of that anchor, sub- supposed to be a guy that was supposed to come in and fill a role very quickly and find himself in the NBA. And that just hasn't happened. And again, co- context matters here with Carter. The injuries didn't help him. Boylan being his head coach didn't help him. A bunch of roster turnover and changes did not help him as well. So there's been a combination of factors, and it might sound like I'm making excuses for Wendell. I'm not. Believe me, I'm not. But I, I think that's why there's kind of this sort of spin towards, hey, let's see what Gafford can give us in the starting lineup as opposed to Wendell. What I will still say now is if that happens, in in the very, very slight chance that that happens, that is terrible for the Bulls long term. Just think about it. If, If Daniel Gafford ends up being the starting center on this Bulls team, that is horrible. That means you're getting nothing back for Carter. That means you just wasted another seventh round, number seven overall pick on him. Like, Think about it long-term for the Bulls. If Carter is out as your center long-term, that's only bad things for the Bulls. That means you're, he's immovable. You're not going to get the pieces back you would want for him. I don't know, man. I just think it. I think thinking about that long-term brings up a whole mess of issues that I don't want the Bulls to have. And so, like again, for Gafford, continue just to let him be thrive in the role that he's in right now coming off the bench at at 18 to 22 minutes a night and being that spark plug and Matt I told you that a couple of weeks ago that this Bulls team for the longest time since trading Bobby Portis has missed that guy the guy that's going to come off the bench scream and yell not give a shit uh, how many points the Bulls are down but just kind of provide some energy and a spark and the Bulls are missing that dude I'm 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 with you. I'm I'm pretty much everything you said there. The one thing that stuck out to me from Jack's voicemail that that I would disagree with, um, or or at least present a counter argument to, is that he said at this point he feels more excited to see what Gafford will turn into 
than what Wendell will turn into. And I think that that's flipped in my reality. And those who are the believers in Wendell and his potential still, despite the ghastly year last year, despite the troubling signs so far this year. To me, Gafford already is what he is. And it's an exciting piece. And as we said previously, uh, in response to the other you know, voicemail looking for a backup center, you already have it. What Jack said he was looking for with, you know, the, the Joakim Noah type, the, the energy type. You know, I, I hear a lot of people compared Gafford to Taj Gibson in that way. A bench big who comes in, crashes the offensive glass, gives you some thunderous dunks, gives you some blocks on the defensive end. And that's it. Set screen, roll to the rim, dunk, set screen, roll to the rim, layup. Maybe you miss your layup. Maybe you get your own miss and you put it back in. That's who Gafford is. And that is a perfectly fine and wonderful piece for an NBA roster. But, like, I I don't see some unknowable ceiling to Gafford. And, honestly, he will be that player for the next six or seven years as long as he has his youthful athleticism to him, and then he will start to decline in his usefulness. Wendell, on the other hand, is still a very young player, younger than Gafford, by the way, and has the intangibles the the basketball iq the the defensive versatility yes he's undersized at center but in in many ways he can guard one through five depending on the matchups and untapped potential on the offensive end maybe it's the yips maybe it's something mental maybe he still just needs to work on his shot to expand it to the nba three-point line but there is more unknown to wendell than i think there is to gafford and that is the primary argument for those people saying, why, why are we talking about benching Wendell for Gafford? We know what Gafford is, and his ceiling is far more limited than Wendell's. Because there is, you know, Wendell, what we're seeing right now is the tip of the iceberg that Wendell stands believe. Gafford already is what he is. He's, he's a glacier, and you can see the whole glacier. Wendell's an iceberg. I'm with you, man. I think that's a good point. The fact that uh, with Gafford, too, especially, anything more that you get out of him in terms of development is only a plus, right? Again, it goes back to expectations that you have of Gafford. Laying lofty expectations on him as a Bulls fan now and expecting him to be more just because he surprised a lot of us, I think is unfair to Gafford, too. You're right. Again, there's nothing bad with saying that Gafford long-term could spend the next 12 years in the NBA as a backup center and thrive in that role. There's nothing bad in saying that. That's a great pick in the second round at 38 overall. I'm cool with that. Again, not every Bulls player that's drafted and shows a little bit of promise needs to all of a sudden be inserted in the starting five. I think that was more of my main theme. So I'm with you is I see a lot more potential out of Wendell long term as an NBA player than I do of Gafford. And I'm cool with anything else that I get in a plus of Gafford, whether it be developing his offensive game a little bit more, polishing that up, being a little bit better of a perimeter defender. um, Any of that I would be cool with. And that's only a plus, but I'm not expecting that out of him. Fair enough. Uh, Jordan, now after all that talk about front court, we have a text that uh, we'll get to about the backcourt and a, a, a Bulls fan who thinks that maybe people are pulling the plug on Kobe's point guard thing too quickly, like you had mentioned about me earlier. Before we do that, though, wanted to tell our listeners about Built Bar. Uh, great friends of the show, been sponsors across the Lockdown Network for a year now. 
Uh, and, you know, for all of you out there who maybe you're trying to shed a couple pounds uh, of that holiday weight, Thanksgiving, the holidays, Christmas, New Year's, maybe you ate a little too much and maybe you're trying to uh, start off 2021 with a healthier self. So Built Bars can certainly help you in that regard. And the new and improved Built Bars are even deliciouser than ever. Try one of their six new flavors like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake, or carrot cake. Plus, you got some of the OG flavors like peanut butter, banana bread, double chocolate, salted caramel, orange, toffee almond, and coconut. The, the Built Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew. And best of all, Built Bars are great for the health-conscious sports fans out there. You can lose a couple of pounds. You can maintain your weight while indulging in these delicious treats. The Built Bar is low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, Great for the keto diet, if that's your thing. Take, for example, the peanut butter bar. 19 whole grams of protein, but only 180 calories. Just 5 grams of sugar and 5 grams of net carbs. Right now, if our Locked On Bulls listeners go to BillPar.com and use promo code Locked On, you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code Locked On for 20% off at BillPar.com. All right, here we go, Jordan. The next text is from the 319. Why are we giving Wendell and Lowry every chance on earth to become a viable front court? But people are out on Kobe at point guard after only eight total career starts and not even legally allowed to drink yet. Um, uh, in my opinion, the backcourt is looking far, far better than our front court. Jordan, what are your thoughts on that? I get it why people still want to believe in Kobe, and I'm cool with having patience with that, man. That's what I said yesterday when we were talking about Kobe White long-term. I'm like, even if he isn't the point guard of the future, I don't need to necessarily make that that proclamation now. That's how I feel. I don't need to make that now, but if he if they do ride him out for the rest of the season and decide at the end of the season, hey, you know what? It's not going to work out long-term. Maybe we have other plans. Maybe we go and sign somebody else to be that guy. I think there's a lot of learning that Kobe can do from being the playmaker, being asked to be the playmaker of this team and try to be the orchestrator of the offense. There's a lot to learn, especially if he doesn't become that guy long term. Having that understanding of what a playmaker is supposed to do on the offensive end and how to set things up and what passes to make decisions that are not very good that ends up in bad, multiple bad possessions. All of these things as a playmaker that Kobe has to think about, I think, is only going to strengthen him as a player overall. But long term right now, from what I've seen from Kobe, I think the biggest strength for him is just being the off-ball second guard in the offense. That can catch and shoot, man. Again, though, I'm actually a little bit surprised at Kobe's catch and shoot numbers and his shooting overall to start this season. It hasn't been necessarily good. I was just looking at his three-point percentage. We talked about it in the first half, too. He was three from three for thirteen from the from three in the first half throughout this season. It just he's been off to a slow start. But if you had to ask me, I'm not ready to give up on it, but if there's other if there's an opportunity out there to sign an all-star that's a point guard, I'm not gonna hinder the fact that I think Kobe's the starting point guard in order to go out and get that guy. To me, long term, Matt, I t- like I said, I'm tending to trend down the same road that and path that you're on. I'm willing to be a little bit more patient right now with Kobe White and see how it develops throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, um, I mean, I think to say that one of the two, when you're talking about the front court and back court of your starters right now, which is the young core of this team, Wendell Lowry in the front, Zach and Kobe in the back, to say one is you know, vastly outperforming the other right now is just 
not true, in my opinion. Um, Because we've seen a couple of good games from Lowry. We've seen a couple of good games from Wendell. We've seen a couple of good games from Zach and Kobe. And they've all had their struggles. They've all had their bad games. And I think if if the motivation behind the argument uh, from the 319 is saying the front court looks bad and the back court looks good in terms of longevity, who are we planning to keep? What you know? What what deserves Bulls fans' attention right now? As this is bad and needs fixing, this is good and set. And you know we can set this as here's 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 part of the plan for the future. I would counter that none of it is set. Not a single thing, other than the new front office drafted Patrick Williams. Patrick Williams looks like a 19 year old stud who's already you know handling intricate defensive assignments in the NBA playing some of the best off-ball defense that this Bulls team has seen in years, has a lethal, disgusting you know, uh, jump shot that you and I were just gushing about on our previous episode. He's got some slick moves in the post. He's got a three-ball that he's working on. That's the only piece that we know will be here three years from now. That's it. Everything else, Zach and Kobe, Lowry Wendell, front court bad, back court good, or vice versa, however you see it, None of it matters right now on January 5th, 2021. As we get closer to the deadline and we have played more games, we can start talking about who we see as most likely to be moved and who do we think might actually hang around with Pat Williams in this rebuild part two. But to say that the front court or back court, one is vastly outperforming the other right now through seven games is a little silly in my opinion. Here's something that might surprise you, Matt, about just like the overall offense that I'm taking a look at right now in terms of stats. The Bulls on, this is just tracking pull-up shots that the Bulls have had this season. The Bulls have been atrocious at this, man, like absolutely atrocious. Um, I'm just looking at the leader right now in Zach Levine. On pull-up jump shots, just from overall field goals, including three-pointers. He's 22 for 59 through seven games. That's 37.3%. That's not very good. And he's 10 for 34 on pull-up jump shots from three. That's 29.4%. Terrible. Kobe White's the next guy. At 26 pull-up jump shots this year, he's 7 for 26 at 26.9%. He's 5 for 15 from three on pull-up jump shots. 33% overall. Your third your third pull-up jump sh- shooter on this team that actually has the the highest of the three of these guys, is your rookie Patrick Williams. He's 10 for 23 from the field, 43.5% on jump shots, and he's 1 for 3 on 3-point percentages. I bring this up because, Matt, this tells me one major thing. The Bulls got to stop this. Hey, we're going to come down on offense, and it's going to be Zach, Kobe, or Pat, and you're just going to try to find your shot on your own. That's got to stop. Again, what Billy Donovan has preached, guys that are going to move off the ball, guys that are going to set screens, getting guys in open positions. Remember the stat I just read you on Monday about Lowry Markkinen being the third highest effective field goal percentage rating in the NBA so far this season on catch and shoot opportunities? That should be a clear indication that this Bulls team should be doing nothing but setting screens for each other on and off the ball and trying to find guys in catch and shoot situations. Uh, this this idea that Zach and Kobe are just going to magically will you to 30, 35 points a game on their own is laughable because right. it's right now it's not showing us that on these pull up jump shot things. That's telling me these guys are trying to go one on one, create their own shots, and it's just not working.
Right. And, and Zach has, for the most part, been efficient this season um, out of the gate. Kobe, you know, we've talked about his shooting struggles. And, and for someone uh, like our texter who said, you know, Wendell and Lowry, like like this, you know, viable front court of the future is set in stone. Why are people talking about it like that? Why are we giving them all these opportunities? Well, I, you know, we're, we're hoping that we get him out of isolation and back on the court. And, and I feel like it's easy that some Bulls fans have already forgotten what Lowry showed when he was out there playing. And hopefully he comes back soon. But 50% from the field and 49% from downtown. That's what Lowry's working on right now. 24 and 9 per 36. That what that's what Lowry has cooking right now. You want to hear Mike the catch Brown. and shoot? You, you want to hear the catch and shoot numbers? Because I think you're going to be astonished by this compared to what I just read you. Kobe White is leading the team right now in catch and shoot jump shots. At 14 out of 37 at 37.8%. It's not the greatest, but all but one of those shots has been a three-point attempt, Matt. He's 14 for 36 from three on catch-and-shoot threes. Kobe's shooting near, damn near 30, 40%, 38.9%. Here's your second leader in catch-and-shoot shots is Otto Porter Jr. 15 for 34 at 44.1%. From three, he's 15 for 31 at 48.4%. Why the fuck are we not getting Otto Porter and Kobe White and Lowry Markkinen more opportunities in catch-and-shoot situations? It, it just it doesn't make any sense to me, man. The Bulls are so much better at this, and especially from three, in getting guys open in catch-and-shoot opportunities. Yet, I still see the stats nearly doubled on guys just trying to pull up for jumpers. If you, if you actually want to be winning games in addition to evaluating this young talent, figuring out your your plans and next steps for the future, who was the one sitting here three weeks ago saying, for the love of God, if you want to win games, Otto Porter Jr. is your second best player right now. Man, I was so behind, wrong about him. I was so wrong. Zach Levine, Otto Porter Jr. is your second best player. Play the man. If you want to win games, play that guy and play him a lot. I was so wrong about him, man. I, again, this is a, a, a massive apology to Otto Porter Jr. so far. And again, it's only seven games in, but a big apology to you because he's just look, fucking lighting it up. I don't blame Bulls fans who are like, dude, who the hell is this guy? We're paying him $25, 28000000 million. He never plays. He's always hurt. He's out of shape, whatever, whatever. Coming into this year, we heard he's in shape. He's, he's excited. He's he's ready to embrace his role, whether that's coming off the bench or starting. He's done both already because of a, you know a jumbled availability of other players. But flat out, case in point, simple as that, when available, when healthy, Otto Porter Jr., there's a reason that dude got the contract that he's on right now. And it's because he was a very good basketball player and still is. One who is in his prime, by the way. Don't talk to me about watching his minutes. Don't talk to me about you shouldn't play him too much. If you want to win, play that guy because he's probably the best two-way player you have. I'm with you, dude. I like Now I'm getting excited about just seeing some of the more of these advanced stats through the first seven games. Here's Lowry, too, and again, he's only played in four games. Um, he's 11 for 23 on catch-and-shoot opportunities from three. That is 47.8%, and his effective field goal percentage on catch-and-shoot opportunities is 
It's it's fucking absurd. It, it is absolutely absurd. And Otto Porter's is at the same damn near same rate too. He's at sixty six point two, and that's through seven games. My point being here is the Bulls have had so much success. The stats are screaming it at us that they're so much more successful when they find guys in catch and shoot opportunities than trying to pull up and, and create something on your own. And I know Zach has to do that in order to wilt the Bulls to some of these wins, and I'm fine with that. But again, if you like you said, if you want to win games. This is the most effective way to do it. Go down the line, Matt. Patrick Williams is 40%. He's 4 for 10 from 3. Denzel Valentine is 7 for 10 from 3-pointer on catch-and-shoot opportunities this season. So, uh, again, if the Bulls want to win these games, this is like screaming at you is find better ways to get guys in catch-and-shoot opportunities. And, you know, catch-and-shoot opportunities come from a, you know, ball movement, keep the ball flowing, keep guys moving off the ball kind of offense that Billy Donovan's trying to work with here and not over dribbling. How much over dribbling did we see in Bulls basketball over the last two seasons? Whether it was Zach, whether it was Kobe, whether it was dear God, Chris Dunn or, you know, fucking campaign too much dribbling and pull up shots off of dribbles. Never as good as catch and shoot opportunities as you just laid out. So when Kobe or Zach have over dribbled, that's when this Bulls offense gets into a rut. That's when this Bulls team falls into these gross runs where they get outscored 14 to nothing over the span of a few minutes. Catch and shoot opportunities are golden and you need to create them by keeping the ball moving and not over dribbling. And it batted free, got it back. Alyssa Ford, yeah. Oh my goodness. Are you kidding me? Cameron Payne. I'm telling you, he's having an out-of-body experience. <laughs> Anytime campaigns brought up, I, I just have to play that. But uh, hey, thanks for the, I don't even know where we started on this. This was a text message. And thank you for that because it sparked some some really solid conversation overall about what the Bulls are doing on offense. Um, you want to end it here or do you want to take one more? Um, let's take one more quickly, Jordan, before we get out of here. Uh, another text, uh, this one from the 443. Hey, guys, Josh from Baltimore. Just wanted to get your opinion on whether the Lowry at center lineups Billy Donovan's been playing give you hope he can play there long term. Thanks for the abundance of Bulls content. Well, thank you for listening and checking in, Josh. Um, You and I have talked about this a little bit, Jordan, and I basically have a short answer to this, uh, and then I'll toss it over to you. Does it give me hope that Lowry can play there long term? It gives me hope that he can play there for a certain stretch in games. He can't, like, it doesn't give me hope that you could just turn Lowry into a five and only a five, but against certain matchups in certain lineups with other complementary pieces, like specifically what we've seen where Billy Donovan has a really long athletic lineup complementing Lowry at the five when he's got some combination of Otto, Pat Will, Hutch, Sato, and Garrett Temple out there with him. Yes, with the proper complementary pieces, what we've seen in small sample sizes gives me hope that Lowry can play spot minutes at the five. That's all you're asking for, man, and I'm with you. If Lowry wants to stay here long term, his biggest key to success is being able to prove that he can play multiple positions, even if it is, like you said, at times for three or four minutes in a stretch, right? Where you, you try to shake, shake something up or a team's throwing you throwing at you a weird, weird-ass lineup with a bunch of shooters. Lowry moving to the five for three or four minutes at a time, I think, 
you just got to make sure it's not disastrous, right? And if Lowry can get to that point, which I think it's, it's some of these stretches through the first seven games, it hasn't been disastrous. I think it only proves more valuable for Lowry long term. And also, too, just kind of the mold of what the Bulls are looking for long term is guys that can play and flip multiple positions and everybody's sort of interchangeable in multiple different spots. Would you agree with me on that? I would. And I would even take it a step further to say that in this season in particular, which is if you know if if you're living in my world and and living in reality and you're not worried about the Bulls fighting for a playoff spot, you just want to see these guys get better and then hope that the the front office has plans in place to to make some significant changes to this roster. But if you're a Lowry believer like I am, use this season to grow his game offensively and grow his confidence offensively. The other great thing about this Lowry at the five lineup that we've seen from Donovan so far with those lengthy defense plus players that I mentioned is that it allows Lowry to be the focal point on offense when Zach and Kobe are off the floor, right? Because when Lowry was in there with Zach and Kobe pretty much for all of his minutes last season, and he would just stand in the corner while Zach and or uh, Kobe would dribble around and hoist the shot. Lowry was wasted. His talents were wasted and he didn't get any better. When you've seen him out there with that lineup, of complimentary pieces who are quality two-way players, none of which are like offensive juggernauts. They have made a point of getting Lowry the damn ball and letting him go to work. That is the cherry on top of the experiment of saying, can we get away with playing Lowry at the five? Because if you can, and it's at least defensively not a complete clusterfuck and disaster, you allow those spot minutes to be all about Lowry offensively, and he needs that this season. Totally, man. I'm with you, and you see even like when they start to get Lowry going early, he's more aggressive, and again, it's bigs are weird, man, because they have to run both sides of the floor super quick, and the way the Bulls are going to want to play is super fast, too, and we see it. We saw it last year with Lowry. You just brought it up. When Lowry's not touching the ball or even involved for six, seven, eight minutes at a time, of course it's going to destroy his confidence. And same for same thing for Carter too. Is they gotta even if he's struggling, they still gotta continue to keep incorporating him in both sides of the ball because otherwise you're just gonna completely lose him on the defensive side of the ball, and you don't need that. So I'm with you again. Spot minutes in different lineups, in perfect opportunities, in the right scenarios. I think Lowry can definitely prove to himself to play the five long term. Not start there or play 25 minutes a night there, but in certain lineups when you're asking him, hey, just go out there and play five to eight minutes a night at the five, in a pinch, you can do that. It makes Lowry more versatile. It makes him more valuable. And it's what the Bulls are molding themselves and looking for. It's what AK has told us. It's what Mark Eversley has told us. And it's what Billy Donovan has told us. So it can only benefit the Bulls and Lowry Markinen. So this would be a win-win scenario if he can develop some confidence playing there in different different lineups different short-term roles absolutely uh i think with that matt this has been a fantastic mailbag and appreciate everybody who's dropped us questions voicemails if we didn't get to your mailbag question today we will try to do it either later this week or hit on it next week but continue to hit us up at 331-979-1369 with your text messages your voicemails anything you got for us you can hit us up if you want to email us with long-term, more long, long-form thoughts, hit us up on email at LockedOnBulls at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at LockedOnBulls. 
For Matt Peck, I'm Jordan Malley. Bulls Nation, have a wonderful day. Be back tomorrow with a fresh episode. For Jordan and Matt, we are out. Deuces. Locked on Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com. Thanks a lot. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.